1: Hello, I'm Loretta from Birmingham, and you're listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. My question for Howard and Dane is, what is the funniest conspiracy theory that you don't believe in? (laughs) Mine is that the reason we're all in a lockdown is because the government needs to change the batteries on pigeons. (laughs) So what's yours? Okay, here comes the show. And remember... Question
2: Everything. Hello everybody, welcome to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast with myself, comedian, writer and occasional actor Dame Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka the HZA, Hello! And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from
0: Everything from from Loretta from Birmingham's question what is the funniest conspiracy theory you don't believe in ooh that's Dane that's a
2: challenging one it, uh, it, I can... it really isn't <laughs> I've, got, I've, got of, I've got loads of conspiracy theories that are funny and I don't necessarily believe them but the one oh yeah go on give, us, give me, us your top one oh my one it's got to be QAnon and not all of QAnon <laughs> there's some but maybe some validity to every lie I may have an element of truth to it but the idea that Donald Trump has had over 20 years of being a billionaire with no other job waiting until he became <laughs> the president to start breaking up prosti- um, child uh, child prostitution and child trafficking rings even though he is photographed and being on Epstein Island and yeah. I find that the funniest that people think a man who had his own university where he could have been educating people and lauded money from that university and then he is now mm. a federal judge has made it illegal for Donald Trump to even have a, if Donald Trump wanted to start a charity now and call it Let's Feed the Children, it is illegal for him to be a member of a charity because of previous money laundering crimes that he's committed. And Impressive. Look, and you're telling me that guy, that guy there, the guy who refuses to pay more than 500 pounds in tax for Americans, that guy is trying to save young children. The guy who wanted to lynch five children. For a crime they didn't commit and when they were found completely innocent to this day he still won't take it back that guy the guy whose own mother doesn't think he should be president his own niece said he is not fit to lead anybody is the guy that's going to save the world from pedophiles yeah that to me yeah. even and all, keeping in mind that ashton kutcher was on the 70s show as the dumb dude kelso And he owns a website where they deliberately use it to distract and capture child groomers online and that exists. And no one talks about that but they think Donald Trump is going to save the world from pedophiles. Even though teen is the most searched porn category in the United States of America they think that Donald Trump is going to save them from child molesters.
0: Well, Loretta, that is a very definitive answer for your question, and I hope you enjoyed it because on this show we ask and answer all the questions, don't we, Dave?
2: Absolutely, no question is too big, too small, or too stupid for our wonderful audience. And if you like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, and you'll never miss an episode. Or subscribe to us on Acast, the world's largest podcast network, and also vote for us uh, on the Pod Bible. Now, with that being said, on today's show is a British comedian and podcaster. He is a regular panellist on Mock the Week and has appeared on TV shows such as Hypothetical, 8 Out of 10 Cats and Taskmaster, as well as many more. He is the co-creator and co-host of a hugely beloved podcast, Off Menu, with James Acaster and his first stand-up special, Blood Sugar, was released as an original special on Amazon Prime. If you don't know, please get to know and welcome to the show, the edifying Ed Gamble.
3: What an intro that was. That was the, oh. full, the full credit rundown. I loved it.
0: Oh, Ed, honestly, mate, every week I get to write nice things about people that come on the show, and that was as good, you know, it's a, it's a joy. <laughs> it's a joy. You don't
3: you don't often get to hear them uh, as a British comedian because people feel sort of ashamed of it. So you go on podcasts, and they won't list them like that. And they certainly don't do it at gigs like they do in the States. In the States, people will list your full credits, even though they mean absolutely nothing to an American audience. Uh, and then you'll walk <laughs> on to them, like losing their minds. They're like, this guy was an eight out of 10 cats. And they've got no idea what they're excited about. But they're just excited.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's the thing. I, th- I feel like, you know, the, you know, if you're familiar with the um, idiot phrase, give people their flowers while they still can smell them. So mm-hmm. you know, I'm not actually is-
3: familiar with that, but I really like it, Dave. Yeah, it's
2: a term that you should give people their flowers while they can still smell them. And uh, here at Question Everything, we are a florist. Bouquets <laughs> here I, and, and there who all over the place if you're a friend of the podcast we can't wait to give you some flowers we are and no matter
0: flowers. no matter how little sleep my uh my child has given me. I will still get the little scissors and cut, cut the little bouquet to give to our guest when they arrive. Thank uh, you, so Howard. It's, 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 a it's a it's a genuine pleasure, actually, because you don't. I was thinking about this when I was actually writing it. You don't get to do many good deeds. I mean, there is not a huge amount in it for me. Just, in, you know, I don't. I don't mean wrong. I like to write the thing and <laughs> do the show, but uh, it is nice to just be like, "Hey, you're good, aren't you?"
3: Well, it's yeah. very nice. It's very nice to hear it. Thank you.
2: It's, it's important, especially now in at the time. Where you know, for in very, 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 uh, we've come very close to our industry imploding due to uh, factors beyond our control. So we think it's also important Ed, to remind you what, you, where, where, how far you've come. Because we, what we don't want is for artists nowadays to kind of, you know, look at the way the world is now and think, oh, "I was all for naught, or those sacrifices that were made, and all those gambles I took, and all these leaps of faith I made, you know, it was for nothing." No, it's definitely been for something. So we want people to remember, like you know. You've done amazing things with yourselves, and you and, and what's I guess 2020 has taught us is that this can all end tomorrow for anybody.
3: Oh, yeah, for sure. So I mean, I, I, d- I don't know about you, Dane, but I don't really feel like a comedian anymore. I, yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah, a sort yeah. of general content creator exactly. and uh, podcaster. I'm, I'm no better than a YouTuber.
2: This is it. Mm. Maybe this is something we needed to realize as artists, as comedians and stuff is that, you know, are, are we better? than These people—they've—they've—they maybe were ahead of us in seeing the new landscape in which you realize your expression, and that's how they got in there. And look, I can't work out. I mean, I'm, I'm mad. I won't lie to you. I am mad about it, Ed. But how do I fault a kid that end up making millions being paid to open presents? Like it's it. That was the dream at the beginning, Ed. Year <laughs> of business degrees and economics modules and A levels to work out how can people pay me for doing shit I like. And this kid just opens gifts. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> it's a funny time. It's a funny time. And Ed, Ed you saying you, you know, kind of
3: you, you're slightly bored uh, right now. I've taken to. I'm so bored at home. I just. I'm wearing all the clothes that I wouldn't normally wear out of the house. <laughs> So things, things that I bought when I was feeling confident, and then. Of the so I am, I'm, I'm literally wearing dungarees right now. I like, him. I like him. I'm thinking, I'm thinking.
2: That's a man who knows he's not too big for his britches wherever he is. Yeah. I like
3: him. Um, I can
0: actually, I can actually support you in this claim because I got bought some t-shirts that I'd say are a little bit too tight for me to wear publicly, but I do like them. And look at that. That's that's. That's David Bowie mixed with uh, Harrison Ford. Yeah, there. you've got to rock so. that. That doesn't, you can look, rock that. That I doesn't like look that either. That doesn't like look like that at all. Ah, I feel a little bit. If I have a big lunch, Ed, and then I have a meeting, and I'd a little bit tight around the old. Uh, yeah, but stuff? that's all You're in your head. father
2: that's... now. That's all in your head. You're a father now, Howard. Like, that's
0: <laughs> a name. Uh, yeah. proper
2: dad no, nice. boy. You want to be the muscle guy at Parents Evening? And everyone's like, oh my God. <laughs> Tara, I'm a toy boy. That's not what you want for your family. No, good point. You want to be a filth at Parents Evening? People being like, and once we finish going through um, Dylan's maths, maybe I could suck your dick in a cloakroom. That's, you, don't want, you don't want that, Howard. That's not what you want.
3: Uh, yeah, there's definitely elements of boredom. Yet when I'm called upon to do anything, it's an absolute nightmare. I, I act as if I have no time to do it. So I, I will sit about all day because, you know, I'm trying not to go out. And also I was saying to Howard before you got on the call, Dane, um, I've been pinged by the NHS app and it tells me I have to self-isolate for 10 days or whatever. So soon as soon as that happened, I was like, "Well, what am I going to do? This this is dreadful." Even though I'd just been outside just before it happened, I was like, "I feel like I'm in prison." Um, And every time anyone asks me to do anything, I panic. But even though I've got fuck, I've got fuck all. (laughs) all Yeah, I'm
2: I'm very similar. I'm very very similar in that respect. If I'm asked to do something, then I'll be like, "Why are you making me do this?" And then you know, I guess. I guess I guess a lot of people are dealing with a state of being where, yeah, not having much control over their The freedoms that we didn't, we never really gave that much thought to, mm-hmm. and uh, again, 2020 is kind of showing us how important those things are. And are you feeling are you feeling okay since your isolation?
3: Oh yeah, look, I, f- I feel fine. I we can't work out who I've been exposed to uh, that has uh, has had it, but I feel fine. I'm all right. It's just uh, I'm gonna try and self isolate up until Christmas anyway,
2: so it's sort of it worked out all right. It's just boring. Yeah, on boredom, the, the the devil, the devil's playpen, as they say. I mm. do boredom. I mean, I've I feel like I have a massive new reverence for anyone who has been incarcerated at any point in time because you know living like this and not being able to go home or have your home comforts in your place of isolation. Mm. I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's uh maybe I th- yeah definitely think about how we treat prisoners. I think. But at least, mean.
3: like at least like as obviously my understanding of um prison all comes from films and stuff um at least in prison like they've they're always looking over their shoulder in case someone shanks
2: them mm. so, yeah so yeah I, you can't be bored right you can't yeah, exactly like, you never bored, you do so constantly looking uh, out for uh, your life i yeah.
0: mean i'm quite happy with my showers in lockdown comparatively to prison showers just uh, you know from what i understand from the movies as you
3: point Well out. exactly i mean at no point while i'm having a shower do i worry that my fiance is going to kick down the door and come and assault me so <laughs>
0: Uh, unless it's friday night yeah
3: uh, exactly. <laughs> but then i know you know
0: yeah, uh, i'm pretending i same. don't know but i know yeah. i know
2: yeah the thrill the thrill's must to come from simulated simulated danger not
0: actually. Yeah. Um, well, on that note, Dane, it's probably time for a question as the format of this
2: podcast dictates. Absolutely, uh, Mr. Ed Gamble. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. As our esteemed guest, we invite you to ask the first question, which we will discuss for fifty minutes and some change. How do we ask another question, which we'll all discuss, and then lather and repeat. I'll ask the final question to yourself, which we will discuss, and then we'll have a nice window for you to promote all of your great works as a revamped content creator, and then uh you return to isolation, get very, very well, and we will have a good time in twenty twenty-one. Sound like a plan?
3: Great. Sounds good to me. Okay. A question. Now it's a pretty heavy one, strap in. Um if uh you if basically, if there's an evil um warlord who took over the whole world and said we're only allowed one item of clothing from the traditional items of clothing, everyone's only allowed one item of clothing, so it's shoes, socks, or pants, or trousers, or shirt, or jumper. You know, clothes. You're only allowed one item of clothing for the rest of your life, and everyone has to wear that. What do you choose?
0: Great question. It's great question. Love it. Really good. Love it. Very good question. And kind of it's interesting to kind of start dissecting that really isn't it dane and go what do i what don't i need what can i get rid of now that i know mm. you know so for example for me uh i can only speak for myself but dane maybe you agree i'm already throwing underwear away i don't i don't think i need to be bringing underwear into this conversation sounds like howard
2: never brought it into the conversation <laughs> 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 i don't know if you saw ed the way how like how yeah. our motion was kind of like that's yeah. not someone who deals with underwear that often.
3: Well, what um, what the listener won't know is that Howard actually took off his underwear to demonstrate. Um, yeah. We could have imagined <laughs> that, Howard. We didn't need to say it. Yeah,
2: exactly. The elastics.
3: Oh, I had
0: the elastic snap for <laughs> the sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I do. You know, okay, guys, you've been sitting at home more this year. Have you, have you worn less underwear? I can tell you I have. I don't see as much vitalness to sitting at home having underwear under my jeans.
3: Uh, I actually, um, I think I've worn... The same amount of underwear. I've probably worn less <laughs> jeans. I've okay. probably sometimes I'll just you know it'll be the middle of the day and I'm just rocking underwear.
2: Right, right. Dane, I like that. Um, I would say my underwear, <laughs> uh, my underwear regime has remained the same. Um, although I will say I made a, a significant transition from boxers to briefs over the last couple of years. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good Shocking. look. It's a really good look. It's a, uh, it's comfortable. Um, and. Uh, my main thing, Howard, as well as that, I just feel more comfortable with underwear on. Is I have a uh, slight fear of my house catching fire. And if you see, <laughs> if you see my physique, if my house sets fire <laughs> and I'm woken in the middle of the night, I'm not I'm not the nicest person to be around if I'm woken up suddenly. Plus the fact right. if I'm woken up suddenly and I'm outside and I'm naked and there's a fire. I have the quintessential demeanour of an arsonist. Once the police arrive, <laughs> the detectives, insurance arrive, and they're like, what happened here, sir? And I'm like, what the fuck do you think? I'm here on outside with my dick out. They're going to be like, yeah. he did it. So <laughs> I wear briefs. In the effect that it happens, at least I'll be clothed. And that will help my story. It's going to be my test statement. When they're like, Baptiste arrived, slightly smokened face. But he was naked and screaming profanities, not gonna look good in court. Whereas if they're like Baptiste, clothed in a very nice, tight fitting, complimentary pair of briefs from Calvin Klein, yeah. and thus yeah. couldn't have possibly been the culprit.
3: A briefs yeah. like just the pant, like little pants?
2: They're, they're not really little pants. They're more, they fit like, they're like, you get different types. You can get the pant ones, but you yeah. can also get like the trunks. So my ones will probably go up to like my thigh.
3: Yeah, no, I, I wear those as well. I've worn those yeah. for years. I've never understood the loose-fitting boxer where everything's flapping about in there. It's pointless.
2: Yeah, I, I, used, to like the, I used to like them before because then you could wear them like shorts and you didn't have to wear anything um, over them or you could wear very loose-fitting shorts. But the thing is, because I wear a lot of sweatpants, but when I started wearing more jeans and trousers with boxers, mm-hmm. they ride up. And then now yeah. I've got constantly have to find. And like a wedgie is hard and awkward enough to kind of um, adjust. But like having to get round there and re-roll your shorts, your boxer shorts down by your legs, very much, a much harder thing to explain. Like people go, yeah, yeah you know, you've got a wedgie. But if they're like, are you basically doing feng shui on your testicles? Then <laughs> again, and again, you don't want to be doing that outside. Well, you there's not that many positions to arrange them in, is there? Or is I mean, mean, well, there's not many. Precisely, Howard, there aren't many to arrange in. So just, So if you're going back to the same place, it just looks like you're pleasuring yourself. And if you're outside yeah. of a recently burned down apartment, adjusting your testicles, now you're an arsonist, and you're an and you're a sex offender.
3: Well, mm. or yeah, or an arsonist who just really, really likes fire. Like oh, that yeah. is, that's Those, a good yeah. reason for doing it. Yeah, a, is that a pyrophile? <laughs> yeah, a pyrophile. I guess that it would be a I pyrophile. Uh, nice. That
2: might
0: Ed, is there anything that particularly stood out to you as the one? Because the listeners just kind of completely aware that you're wearing dungarees at the moment. I'm wearing dungarees. I've
3: got my dung. Yeah. I've got my dungarees on. Um, I mean, I guess dungarees would be a good shout for me. I mean, it's it's sort of a more niche item of clothing. I, I didn't list it in my initial question there, but mm. the dungaree is doing a lot of work in terms of it's doing all the work of a trouser, uh, mm. but it's also doing some great nip coverage work.
0: Yeah, and are you physically? I don't know enough of your physique, Ed. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, that's. But would you happy to be kind of you know topless underneath the dungarees and show off that? that
3: Happy to be topless underneath the dungas. It sort of covers up the uh, stomach area, uh, which is fine. Um, Arms perfectly happy with my arms to be out. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think maybe it's it's possibly dungas for me. I think you're right. You've got to dispense with the underwear straight away because they are. If you're going trousers, doesn't really matter. However, no. if you're going, it depends what you're going with, Howard. Because if you're going yeah. jumper, jumper and no underwear, if you're windy, the pooing yeah. it everywhere, it's it's kind of well. not on. <laughs>
0: I've, you know what? I've often thought about that. And, it was, it, you know, like Donald Duck obviously made the decision and just went for the blue shirt with yeah. the white trim. And, you know, it worked out for him. But I'm, I'm not an animated duck. So so I, I would probably take inspiration from my child that, that Dane uh, knows exists. Uh, and as listeners know, my seventh-month-old child. And he spends most of his time in what I realised when I was, you know, changing him out of one the other night is is basically a onesie. Yeah, really. it's, it's basically the onesie. It's the sleep suit uh, that he spends all his time in. Uh, he's actually got one that looks like Chewbacca um uh so i might get a full you know adult version of my son's chewbacca outfit like a furry living. yeah 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 uh,
3: yeah just try like live like that yeah sure
0: fair just, and then and then gradually work on my chewbacca impression which i haven't i'm not i haven't got
2: at the moment um is that something like, I, is that something you practice on a baby <laughs> i feel like i don't know i feel like if you're like Argh! Oh, yeah.
0: I was telling Donald Schwarzenegger there that, that wasn't right uh, but no, the, the, you know the the kind of yeah that would be a and then me and him could just well, actually he's got a Spider-Man outfit that he's probably growing into now so I could just have a Spider-Man outfit uh, Ed so something that matches my son's clothing range that's in the onesie territory but day I to
3: day it. do you think you could because I, I want to make a small tweet to the question you are allowed mm. to everyone's allowed to pick different items of clothing but they're only sure. allowed one So day-to-day, do you think the Spider-Man outfit would be a good look for, say, meetings? (laughs) Well,
0: I I think when I go to meetings uh, and, you know, listeners, we don't work together unless unless any of you, you know, do that I don't know about. But, you know, uh, I'm I'm a creative guy. Uh, I'm coming with ideas. Often they're they're funny. Sometimes I work on serious documentaries and the Spider-Man outfit might affect the tone Mm -hmm. of the meeting. Um, But I think people could understand that I made that decision for the relationship with my son.
3: What if you get a so, meeting with uh, DC Comics? That's surely going to hamper your chances of working with them.
0: Now, that may mean a nude meeting, I guess.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which they may take as a brave move. They may yeah. just go, that's a really brave move. Well done, you know, like kind of, we didn't see that coming. <laughs> naked man is my pitch to DC Comics. It's, you know, we're gonna, uh, but I, actually, I can't think of actually anything worse personally than having to be naked in front of the main populace of society i hate that passionately Mm. so i would rather be a (laughs) spider-man dane where do you where do you stand on this Dane? what what are you picking
2: i think i probably based on observing indigenous tribes in like you know the amazon or in like new guinea i'm probably going to go for i might go for pants but pants Mm -hmm. with like a particular like uh, standout kind of detachable cone for my phallus so I guess that would be like my warning horn or my battle horn no
3: one's ever uh, called their own dick a phallus this is the first time anyone's <laughs> referred to their my phallus no one's ever said that I, I, there, I, but
2: if it's my if it's because I don't know in this, this new this new totalitarian regime I've been like <laughs> me being like The dick of revolution, I feel like it's going to attract unwanted attention. (laughs) Keep it pretty medical, phallus. (laughs) I feel like because no one talks like that, they'd be like, "He's weird," and then they won't suspect me. But I think I'd go for pants for both uh, thermal reasons. Keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it Mm. nice down there. I think uh, just to get on with my day, no distractions. And also, as I said, I feel like this regime is unjust. And if at any point I need to join the revolution. I don't want to be climbing a barbed wire fence and then have an accident. Everyone's like, ah, "Damn, poor Dane had a cool hat though." So. <laughs> is there not a
3: danger you'll get your phallus cone caught on the barbed wire?
2: I could, but that's what it's there for,
0: yeah.
3: right? But <laughs> what, what if it gets for. caught and then <laughs> and then obviously if you get caught up on there and your phallus is caught, <laughs> your phallus <Yeah>. cone <laughs> caught phallus, on the barbed phallus, wire, phallus, phallus cone your phalacones caught yeah. on there. Is that not gonna slow is that not gonna slow you down?
2: Are you then gonna get caught by the militia? Temporarily, but then they'll be like, Is that a phallus hanging from that bar by a fence? And then I'm like, I'm <laughs> out of
0: here. <laughs> <laughs> another are, day. You still, are
2: you still a pyrophile in this scenario or is that a different scenario? I can't that's remember if this that's is a different, time, but is the, right. the, the suspected pyrophilia is why I wear pants to bed.
3: Yeah. In case right. there's
2: a fire. Yeah. You never know. I, I, just, just, I, just, just, I just in these, in these times, how you just have to get up and go. It's like you know, I hear want, you. Don't want the apocalypse. I don't want to be the naked guy, because it like with pants on, like you know how zombies behave. Like they mm. break through a wall at mid-level. They start biting at me. I want them to at least get get through the wrapper first before they have a big old phallic, phallic buffet.
0: <laughs> it's nice to think that there's like potentially listeners hearing this um, going to bed naked as the day they were born, deciding to put underwear on just in case there's a fire tonight because Dane said so. Uh, that could incredible impact you could have had on their lives.
2: Dane. They don't even have to put them on, but in the same way that you have like a bedside lamp, have some bedside pants.
0: <laughs> Would well, you just keep a pair on the bedside table just Absolutely,
2: in case. just in case. In case the door rings in the morning and Amazon comes along, you're not around ruffling now You got answered the door with your dick swinging. Now you're in trouble with um, with Amazon. Yeah. They're like, I'm from Amazon, but you're a tribesman. This is disgusting. So, have your bedside pants. I say, depending on your state, your pants, your glasses should be at the same mm. place on your, your bedstand. Because I, you just I think I've got some know. more
3: questions about the cone, actually. <laughs> Are you sleeping with the cone? Because surely the cone, I don't know how you sleep, Dan. You must have to sleep on your back if you've got a phallic cone. Because yeah, you, to... you
2: roll onto your front, you're just going to flip back over like a weeble, aren't you? That, that's true. I mean, I guess it depends how you're sleeping, but, you know, I'd probably sleep on my back with a falacone. Or maybe I'd, take, I'd probably take the falacone off at night and use the mat f- cone. So, you got a special night cone. Um, it would be ridiculous the, if I did it. I can't walk around all day with my dick in a cone and then wear the same cone. That would sound insane. Is, <laughs> it a, is it a silk cone? Uh, is it a silk cone? Not made of money, bag? Howard. It's a cotton polyester blend.
1: <laughs> well, also, a silk bedtime.
2: cone would get very hot in the summertime. Well, for, uh, just for bedtime, I thought. Is you is know, it? it's, a fal- it's, but A silk phalacone would get pretty hot at bedtime. Silk sheets the, are a lot warmer than people think they are. Is the
3: phalacone the day phalacone? Mm-hmm. Is it like a hard, it's a hard material, right? It sticks out. Um, so would you then, as as opposed to a traditional pant, would you be laying your phallus within the cone? So it's constantly sticking out at 90 degrees.
2: Not necessarily 90 degrees. I'd say more, a bit more perpendicular. I'm going for more of a 45 degree thing. So I don't want it to be offensive. I just want it to be authoritative and assertive. Okay. Yeah. You know, Like I wanted to, I want it to be able to be like, if I say, excuse me, people still hear it coming from my mouth first, as opposed to like, my fellas knocking over people's cups and stuff at like McDonald's and other multinationals that yeah. survived this uh totalitarian coup. But like no, yeah, it's important. Yeah, I don't want I don't wanna poke people in the back with it, right? Yeah. No. It's- and it's just to be
0: it might just be worth mentioning to any listeners who obviously, you know, can draw. Uh we are looking to just, you know, showcase some blueprints for this this design. Um, so just get in touch.
2: Basically, it works telescopically as well. So, independent in the depend- in direction <laughs> of your like phallic size, you just extend it as uh, as uh, we're required. Right,
3: but right. how telescopically does it work? Say, there's a moment where in a situation you might become, you know, occasionally gentlemen become accidentally aroused. Would mm. would that be more obvious as the uh, as you're stood in a public place and the phallic cone uh, becomes telescopically larger?
2: I think when you are fit for your cone, they take all these things into account, like the maximum girth mm. and circumference and elevation that a phallus can reach. Uh, you know, mm. and then that's created by a 3D printer and uh, <laughs> it's their own special phylicone. You Lovely. know, in, a, in the same way, I imagine that women are fitted for their bras. Everyone mm. sits down and shakes their boobies and then you get the catcher's mitt and he catches them or she catches them, I hope. And then that's how people are fitted for bras, I assume.
0: Uh, Ed, is this where you hoped this question would go? <laughs> I think
3: I always knew. I think I always knew deep down that it would go this way. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, good. You know, oh, it was a
0: lovely, it was a lovely, lovely question, and, um, and 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 we like a hypothetical as as we like the show hypothetical, which you, you guys have both done on on the lovely Dave channel. And uh, and and um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna return to some kind of um, well potentially nostalgic reality for my question, if that's cool with you guys. Um, you you may need a moment to think. Of what it is but ed ed gamble um y- y- your surname's a-, a word ed yes um yeah uh, which you probably noticed and people mm-hmm. have mentioned before okay and sure. so uh yeah i uh, know uh, you know our, 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 my question is quite simple to you both uh which is are there any gambles in life you wish you had taken um that, you know, I, I would say that as comedians, uh, you are constantly, <laughs> constantly taking gambles um, and, uh, and, and, and risks. Um, but, um, yeah, I was wondering if there's uh, anything that you look back on in your life that you think, God, I wish I'd, I wish I'd taken that gamble. Hold
1: up.
3: I'm quite, I'm, I mean, surprisingly for my name, uh, very, very safe, I'd say. I tend to really? stick, stick to rules. I don't take risks. Uh, the idea of actually gambling uh, at a bookies or anything like that fill, fills me with dread. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I don't think there's any situation where I've not taken a risk and I've looked back on it and gone, God, I wish I'd done that because it would just terrify me. The fallout, wow, that- the fallout of the anxiety of actually taking a risk is not worth the rewards of any risk I could have taken
0: <laughs> do you uh, do you think your names influence that
3: no I don't think so no, i I don't I think, so. think so there's not some sort of like reverse nominative determinism going on <laughs> i uh <laughs> I think that it's just my it's just my nature uh I tend to just <laughs> stick stick to the rules and just follow things how they come rather than rather than gambling which is you know slightly pathetic i don't know well, how do you feel, Dane? Are you a risk taker?
2: Um, I would say not particularly. In fact, it's funny, the biggest risk I guess I I've thought about existentially was taking a gamble of doing comedy. So I kind of like was like, you want to do it, but it's like, I don't know, it's not really the market for it. It's not really I don't know if I'd even go about it. And i went to uni, and so but it used to actually put like a real psychological block on everything else I did because like my dad had kind of be like, "How come you never played the lottery?" And my wrong, but you never buy a scratch card. And you don't, and I never really used to gamble either. You know, we go to casinos or anything like that. And I think it was just mm. it was just a block I would put in my mind where I was like, "Until you're prepared to take the gamble for, to do something you actually want to do, like uh, there's no point in doing anything else because you're always being half-hearted." Because that's the idea of when you do games of chance is that you know you're taking a risk. But I'm like, if you won't take the risk with something that actually matters to you, really matters to you, what's the point in playing the lottery? So yeah, I think it was only after I actually started giving comedy a go then I probably would take a lot more gambles. And so I, I don't really play games of chance that much. Um, and, that's, and that's also because I used to work in William Hill. So, oh, really? Yeah. So basically in the same way that people, if someone works in McDonald's, you're like, hey man, you want a burger? And they go, get that shit that fuck out my face. Like, <laughs> I think I spent enough time around the game industry within uh, William Hill. It kind of put me off. And I remember the story that did it for me as well, was that there was a guy called Sylvester, uh, who was a regular uh, one of the uh, William Hills I used to work with, a really nice guy, had two cats. That's uh, pretty much all I knew about him other than put on my fucking bet date. Um, he hmm. used to bet on Greyhounds and he did an accumulator once where he put on £4.50 and in one day he won uh, £4,000. And wow. uh, with a return on a £4.50 investment of £4,000
3: mm-hmm.
2: is enough to make anybody want to start gambling. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I was like, that sounds real good. And my manager turned to me, uh, to, I was counting his money and she said, we'll have this back in a year. Yeah. Hmm. And that was a very, that statement was so sobering. I was like, nah. It's <laughs> <"Nah." laughs> depressing, isn't it? So sad so, yeah, yeah. really and that, a in business. Yeah. And that kind of put me off it. And also, and, and there's other stories like, I'm really bad at maths. And I think understanding of statistics and mathematics at that level is how people are good at gambling. And again, I just don't have the patience. But even then, mm. uh, the one lesson I actually took away from maths was the way of working out the odds of winning the national lottery. Right. And uh, for those who don't know, it's basically, if you've ever seen a scientific calculator and there's an X with an exclamation mark next to it, that's like the factor button. So if you type in 49 then press that button, which basically means it's 49 times 48 times 47 times 46, all the way to one. And then you take that number and you divide it by six. And those are the odds of winning the lottery. And to give you some perspective, Ed, you're more likely to wake up with a vagina than win the lottery. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh. Yeah, or or become a penguin. And for me, again, it's like people do that all the time. And then when you start... And I worked in... So when people do win the lottery, you know when people say, oh, I'm still going to go to work. It's not just because of them being particularly industrious. It's because of the fact that the amount of time and the amount of your life that you have to invest in playing the lottery to give yourself any stead of being able to win for you to now win the lottery and remove that part of your life's purpose, you'd have nothing to do. Yeah. So of course you have to go to work. And yeah, that was just like, mm, again, that that just turned me off with normal gaming and gambling. So yeah, with comedy, I think, yeah, comedy it was more of an existential gamble I was trying to take. And like you said, mm. I was definitely a square as a kid. Like, you know, I wouldn't even take a risk with like getting a job. So I'd have no tattoos and I didn't, I had my ears pierced and, I didn't you know, I was dressed a certain way and make sure I spoke a certain way because I was like, I don't wanna leave it to chance that uh, someone might just like me alone for me to get gainful employment. And then I think mm. once I started becoming a lot more disillusioned with all these things, then I was like, Well, do you know what? Just take a chance because who the hell cares and what difference does it make? And so once I started doing comedy, then I was like, take more chances. If I don't pay this parking ticket, what are they gonna do? <laughs> and then I've been able to look and research it and be like and you know, people don't challenge things. I'm like, but if I challenge it, what are they gonna say? And most mm. people don't are not, and most people, especially when they come from institutions of power, they are not used to having their power challenged. And you know, mm. like one of the get the first gamble I took was quitting my job, not waiting for another job, not saving enough money to hold me over until comedy becomes lucrative, not going traveling, not working part-time, saying categorically, I fucking quit with no backup job, no alternative, no guarantee mm. of pension or redundancy, just be like, fuck this, I quit. And again, it was like, if you do that. What's the worst that could happen? Take a gamble, and yeah, yeah, again, gamble. Ed, do you feel do you feel that you
0: took a major gamble doing comedy? No, I was just
3: I was going to say I don't think I felt like I was. I think I sort of stumbled into it a bit and just thought, oh, I enjoy doing this. I'll just sort of keep doing it until it feels. I never felt like I made that proper jump of going like I'm going to quit this job and now there was sort of a lot of crossover and then. Also, I think I was just stupid. <laughs> I think I was stupid, <laughs> and I didn't realise what what life entailed. And always very, you know, very well looked after, privileged. Um, and it was a right. bit more like, oh, well, it's worth a shot, isn't it? Why not? Did, you know, did, just, it, it- did it? Did it help
0: the fact that? Because, unless, tell me if I'm mistaken, but your opening kind of area, um, opening period of your career. Uh, you were uh, part of a double act. Uh,
3: that was, you, yeah, was that, so I, that was part of it. I mean, I did. so I did comedy at university in the sketch group, and then I started doing a bit of stand-up, and I, when I was doing stand-up, I was also part of a double act. So I've mm. always, and we did a podcast as well. And so I've always mm. done lots of different things, um, mm. but I've always worked with other people as well. So it sort of feels less... Scary, I think, when you're when you're collaborating with people as well, because you sort of egg each other on a bit. But I think the main yeah. reason it didn't feel like a gamble is that, and it wasn't self confidence. In I didn't think, oh well, this this will definitely work out because I'm brilliant. I never thought this has hmm. this has to work out because I've got nothing else. It was just, well, well probably be all right wasn't it? Just dumb, just <laughs> just really thick. Yeah,
0: uh, it's interesting to hear you guys talk about it. Uh, as Dane knows. Um, I, I mean, I'm a producer, and I'll always be a TV producer, and you know, I, I'm very happy as that. It, well, I, I sit and come up with ideas. I try and get people to he- let me make them. Sometimes I make them myself. Sometimes I find other people to help me make them. Get to work with people like you guys. What a f- I mean, that's just the best thing ever, right? What a great job! And you're yeah, very Dane, lucky. You're very
3: lucky, Howard.
0: Very lucky man. But Dane knows that for for a period of time, for about two years or so, I actually dabbled uh on stage purely just to test out if it if it if it worked uh and i think the gamble i wish i'd taken is i wish i'd done it earlier because i think i I was probably kind of mid early 30s when i started doing it and responsibilities were building in my life Uh, and to have been kind of a younger person doing it i think the fun that there is well maybe i'm wrong and it isn't fun (laughs) or it depends how seriously you take it i guess i was actually in a in a in a in a i did like four comedy shows with a, two friends of mine it was called gcse drama uh and it was the story of three guys who hadn't ever finished their gcse drama course and they decided to start doing it again 20 years later when one of them was let out of prison um and um we used to perform these horrible gcse drama sketches i think then stephen merchant actually did something quite similar at some point in one of his shows um and um i kind of often look back on that and go i wish we'd I wish we'd just done that more. It was just kind of quite fun.
2: Yeah. Really. Yeah. That's the same for me. I think how when I, when I finally bit the bullet and started doing comedy, it was again, while well, I do it before, because it provided me with so many things, both socially as well as, uh, I guess, artistically and, uh, personally that I, I was looking for for so long, but I would say the only thing I, I, one thing I wish I took a gamble on a bit more was probably more, some activities like sport and martial arts that I was really into. So, I laid hmm. until I was like 17 before I got into taekwondo and just made my own way and started training there. And I just wish I did that more often. And, uh, yeah. you know, we're playing football and stuff, which I enjoyed. And I have no, uh, you know, misconceptions about my ability. But at the same time, I felt like if I applied myself at the time, maybe I would have seen how far I can go. And sometimes it's because it's interesting to see yourself, how far you can push yourself, how much you can achieve if you push yourself. But at the same time, I think that was always a, an annoying uh a annoying i guess description of me people say is that he has so much but he has so much potential just needs to pull his finger out and that was always a frustrating thing to hear and i guess mm. comedy was the last gamble of actually yeah delivering yeah delivering and, and giving a chance to realize my potential but
0: uh, yeah were there I, any other career were there any other options for you uh, Ed, when you were uh, when you were moving into comedy? i never
3: I honestly never thought about it i never thought about any other options like i was doing really? like jobs here and there but i never thought when I got when I got into them, that that would be me, or that mm. there were careers that I wanted to work on. Um, I think I always wanted to be an actor, <clears throat> and then started doing comedy at uni and sort of fell in love with that. Um, I think I, I didn't have a game plan, but I was like, well, I'll give I'll give comedy a go, and then I guess just work something else out after, like maybe you know writing mm. or do something in telly, or it was just all very wishy washy. I never. I, I, I never have, and do not have a game plan.
2: <laughs> I think that's the best way to be, man. That's the real gamble. You just let the, let the um, chips fall where they may.
3: So maybe I'm the ultimate gambler in a way. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, this feels
0: like we've come full circle, really, in the sense that, yeah, I mean, I I I do look at, I mean, you know, to to I don't know, like I say, I, I I've pissed around and ended up with. I reckon in two years, I had ten minutes that I could do on stage that I would genuinely say wasn't shit uh and you know proof of that right is that the people laugh that the (laughs) job you know when you do enough of the things you're like oh look this is like gig whatever like 104 and they keep laughing at this so so it's clearly something or or, or, like it's working to it but then to the gamble to actually commit and then be like right i'm gonna get like you know an hour and then there's going to be another hour, and then you're know, fuck, fuck that. No offense to you guys in your life. But that is, that is a, a gamble to be able to pull that together and, and but it doesn't, it doesn't
3: right. feel like that if you If you've done an hour and then you're like, "I'm going to do another hour." there's normally some things that have happened along the way to suggest that other people also think you can do it um, yeah. like if you're on your fifth hour and you know no one said, "Do you want to come and do this gig?" or pe- people are coming to book you for stuff or telling you you're good. You shouldn't. Yeah. You probably. You probably shouldn't do it. Don't do the fifth hour. <laughs> Leave the fifth hour alone. Probably. Yeah.
0: The hint. The hint is there from the universe to suggest. Yeah. That, exactly. Yeah. Mm, not sure people are really in love with this stuff, but uh, <laughs> it is. A, it is an interesting thing, gambling. And I, I. I must stress that you know we're not trying to uh, demean uh, gambling, as in like. It's crazy how much people bet, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I often think, uh, as a fan of sport, uh, I often get, you know, inklings uh, and fuck me. I can't believe that people put, all that, put as much money as they do on this stuff. As you said, Dane, uh, watching people kind of
2: come into betting shops and do what they do. Uh, yeah, be, be careful. But then, but, then, but, then, but, then I, but then I'd say I get it because the other gamble is are you going to gamble that you're going to work diligently in an office in the service industry for 50 years of your life and then have a private pension at the end? Well, there's a lot of people that found out in 2008 that that's not going to happen either. So that gamble of trying to rely on people externally to you to look after your life and give over your responsibility to other people, I felt was a much worse gamble than the gamble of doing something I wanted to do with my life. So that for me was a big catalyst in terms of me doing comedy it was kind of like before I'd be like, but if you don't do so well, you struggle for money. How would you take care of family? How would you be able to, you know, take help your friends out or your parents?" parent? But I was like, but then if I go fucking mental from sitting at this desk, I'm also no help to anyone. So, yeah, just—it just, with all gambling, I think all games of chance, it's about weighing up risk. And for me, it was kind of like, you know, if this doesn't go well, I can always go back to my regular life and do what I was doing before. But just take a chance, because then at least what I won't be doing is looking back, being like, what if? And that's the thing with gamblers, is that a lot of the time, if they do win from a safe bet, their first thought is, should have bet more.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, it was a gamble taking that question and uh you know it doesn't it hasn't been a disaster so uh thanks for answering guys and uh over to you for the final question of today's show
2: absolutely now i want to frame by saying that uh this isn't necessarily a question framed directly towards yourself ed in terms of uh how you answer the question and it's not about yourself the individual It's more about your viewpoint on this in general so as Howard mentioned previously that you were a part of a sketch group and there's a double act, um, which uh, was the first incarnation I saw you and you appeared to be relatively successful. Um, but as I said, you have now transcended that to being a solo act as well as a, uh, a content creator and are now in a quasi double act or the podcast. Mm-hmm. So my question is that um, with groups, can you always tell if someone's about to go solo And also, if people go solo, uh, is reunion always a possibility? Good question.
3: Um, Yeah, yeah. I think it's really difficult, isn't it? So thinking specifically about comedy, I think Mm. when you go and see sketch groups, quite often, it's really rare that you'll come out of watching a sketch group or watching a double act and not decide in your head who you think the best one is. Do you know what I mean? It's so... It's Absolutely. so hard. Like, you don't want to do that because you just want to watch the group. But I think you naturally go, oh, they've they've got something above the others. Yeah. Um, and at that point, you probably think, oh, they'll they'll probably stick around. They might go solo. They might get a part in something or whatever, um, which is not a fun thing to think. I think it's quite unfair. Uh,
0: I and- said there's one group, sorry, just to jump in, there's one group that I think maybe had uh, changed that for me, which was Daphne who I think mm-hmm. when I watched those three guys they had such a different thing going on uh, in each person George uh, Jason and Phil but uh, that's just interjecting on that one
3: Yeah um, but uh, yeah so I suppose yeah with with Daphne they're all uniquely talented in in their in their own ways uh but uh I think most of the time you sort of end up going on oh, that person that person's really good they they've got something um or or thinking that person that person's not very good they're letting the side down
1: um
3: <laughs> so, and with groups that start in a group so certainly the double acts i've been in so i was in a double act with ian Boldsworth. i do a podcast with james acaster now i do a radio show with uh, matthew crosby uh, and i've i've always worked with other people luckily i think with most of those we were we we're all solo performers beforehand anyway mm-hmm. so those egos all existed separately from the group uh, anyway. It's just about, it's always difficult to work out who's more invested in the group and who's more invested in their solo stuff. So tricky working with other people. Now now I'm a bit older and everyone's got their own thing going on. It's sort of, it's, it's a way more relaxed experience, I think.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, it, it's, it is a challenge though, isn't it? Because also, you know, the, the, the fact that it worked for a period of time doesn't necessarily mean that it should work for forever, forever.
3: No, uh, and it, it it doesn't because, <laughs> because yeah. you know lives change and relationships change and it what makes a group good to start with uh, you know you you don't really know what it is. It's all environmental factors, and if something changes slightly and people's lifestyles change and their priorities change, then it can affect what what made that group good in the first place. I think.
2: Yeah, and those groups normally, do you think? the uncoupling or the disbanding of these groups normally begins with something uh, external or internal. Cause I, I guess for myself, I, before I did this podcast, I was a part of a group podcast myself
1: mm-hmm.
2: and that disbanded in it. And I wouldn't necessarily think I joined that necessarily with the view of, oh, I'm going to do this and go solo with my own podcast. Um, but yeah, I think I suppose it was kind of an inevitability anyway. Um, so
3: I think it always feels like it
2: comes from an external
3: thing like someone getting something else or someone starting to do better than the others. But I think I think really that comes from it, the internal issues <laughs> yeah. within, within the group anyway. Because really, on the face of it, if you're in a group with someone and they do something amazing that you don't get to do, you should be happy for them. Yeah, um, because all it does is lift the group as a whole if they're still interested in being part of it, and also it's your friend. You know, you, you, mm-hmm. should, you should be happy for them. But I think those sorts of things can can rot away. And I speak as someone who has been the person doing well, and also the person seeing someone else do well. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've I've been both sides of the fence, uh, and <laughs> it's hard, especially when you're younger, especially when you're younger and you're ambitious. And
0: that's the that's the thing, isn't it? When 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 the kind of Uh, Not to say that the the kind of sediment settles in people's lives a little bit, but you you know what I mean? You kind of hit a point where maybe life's more, more kind of. Got a constitution to it that you build from. Where apart from, you know, kind of when, you're, when you're younger, you know, it is changing. I remember a, a sketch group uh, which I'd be amazed if there's any listeners who remember it called Oyster Eyes, mm-hmm. um, who were four four person group, uh, two uh, female performers, two male performers, and um, it, you know, it, it, it disbanded many many years ago. But out of it have come, you know, three quite recognisable you know, comedy faces and I think they all probably still get along and maybe at some point you'll see them back on stage together. But, um, but that, that was one where you kind of like, Hey, that probably made sense that you guys didn't stick together because look what you've gone to do on, uh, you know, individually. Uh, but then the big one's Clang, right? We are Clang is the, uh, is one of the ultimate, uh, sketch group stories, mm-hmm. which is, you know, they were the most beloved people in Edinburgh yeah. for such a period of time. And then obviously uh, Greg Davis has gone on to, he hasn't done too badly, has he? Uh,
3: Yeah, he's done all right. But to be fair, I think with Clang, all of them are still working uh, to quite a high level level in comedy. You know, they do a lot of writing as well. So, but yeah, who knows? And I think they all, you know, they still talk. (laughs) The danger is always uh, affecting it to such an extent that, uh, that you don't end up talking to the person, but you look at a group like Pappies. You know, I do a radio show with Matthew Crosby. Um, they still work together. They might not do live stuff together, but they do podcasts and stuff. And that's a that's cool. a good story.
2: Do you think that's a good part yeah. of the caveat when you uh, assemble a group of like minded creatives that everyone's aware that everyone's going to go solo?
3: Yeah, I think. I mean, ideally, you'd sit down and have a meeting before the before the first proper meeting and go, guys, we're going to form a group, but. Any of us might fuck off at any moment, so just beware. Yeah. Beware. We're all looking after our own careers as well. Yeah.
0: Do you have a fancy going back to a, a, a kind of comedy group uh, in that way, uh, Ed? And you know, not
3: of- not in not in the sort of same sense. I think like I liked I like being in a double act, but it just seemed weird now, especially as I'm sort of slightly more known. And it was such a sort of strong flavored dynamic, and we were playing sort of characters of ourselves it might be a difficult thing to sell um Mm. but i'd happily work with anyone again yeah just probably Mm. not in this you can never go back in that sense you can't just you can't recapture the magic of what you had before
0: yeah it's difficult isn't it It, 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 it's also kind of like you say people's lives change right so you know in i don't know but in dane I, i feel like i need to do this on behalf of the listeners who who some may uh you know
2: may have been- you start out i saw this coming it was great working with you <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah episode 89 and out uh no um no but uh you know there's a lot of fans of of our podcast and uh and the quote full podcast which he did um and uh you know i'd be uh a fool not to ask you uh if if, if you guys have ever thought of uh of reuniting, because you had a great following, didn't you?
2: Um, Good question. I think it's been something that we've discussed, but I think since the disbandment of the group, I think for a few members, you know, fortunately, uh, they've seen some uh, increase in their profile, increase in opportunities. And, you know, a lot of time when people didn't see certain members of the core group not appearing on the podcast and episodes because they may have been filming or working. And the idea of the podcast was for us to unite and put ourselves in a good stead. Where we'd be, you know, have a higher profile and be better predisposed to some opportunities. So, where in some ways that's kind of happened. So, for, you know, myself and Kay and Ishan, uh, you know, have become a lot more busy. Ishan has gone on to host a show on Asian uh, Network on the BBC. Uh, Kay has worked very closely uh, with uh, Asian Network as well as uh, One Extra, as well as a lot of writing staff. He recently worked with Charlie Brooker and stuff as well. So, a large part of the objectives of coming together as a collective uh, have kind of uh, actually occurring now. So, I think, yeah, I, I'm sure that we could come together again at some point, but I think historic roles where some people may have dealt with like researching and some people have dealt with the more administrative side of it, I don't think everyone can always do that as well because they haven't got the same amount of time but, um, yeah, to... That's always
0: the problem, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Distribution of work. Like Ed said, distribution
2: like of work always gets people wound up. Lifestyle right? changes as well. Like, as Ed said, like, you know, you can get wound up and, 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 but your priorities change or your, your situation changes. Like you'll have, you know, children to support. And so it's not as easy to spend time around the collective and stuff as well. And so, but yeah, I'm definitely always open to it. And like Ed said, it's like, if ever I want to create or I want to realize a, an aesthetic creatively if you know the people I worked with previously had that confidence and I know it works then I have no qualms about going back to them and working for the great good so you know I just I when it comes to groups and kind of the dynamic of groups I really just hope you yeah, everyone I would always want to be somebody who would approach uh collaboration without the ego of being like well because I did this much I have this much of a say like I've always will try and make right. roles very clear in that so yeah, I would definitely, I'd say, dev, never say never for "Quotas Fall uh, reunion again. It's just trying to get all the bands together at the same time and stuff as well. It's like nowadays, it's like if you book uh, So Solid to perform, you don't know which of the 47 members you're going to get. But So <laughs> Solid, as long as it's under banner. So say with "Quotas yeah. Fall, it might be me turning up and it might be me. I might turn up with Ishan, I might turn up with Kay. I might turn up with Ishan and Kay and Lon Loi, so even though he's over in Johannesburg. Maybe, um, mm. you know, anyone can join us. Maybe a gamble can make a special appearance as well. So, you know, the idea of quotas full is that we want to keep the quota full of variety and quality. Yeah. And so that was one of the reasons why it has such an ambivalent title is that it can always be very open in the same way that like an example, an equivalent example would be like, you know, the Gladiators or Shalimar. You can just keep changing members. The name stays the same, <laughs> but, you know, and it's not like s Club 11, you actually get paid. So
0: <laughs> but it's also that thing I don't know, Ed. Do you, you know the kind of uh, well. It, it is tough to go back, isn't it? But uh, they're like relationships, aren't they? Yeah.
3: Well, they are. Well, especially if we're if we're talking about comedy, the the hardest thing is um, you form that relationship uh, based on a pre existing friendship, anyway. So you know, I was in a double act. It's everything I've done uh, when I've collaborated with people it's because I mate with them. Is because I get on with them. That's how you create stuff with people. Is you have a pre existing chemistry, and then as soon as that becomes part of your work your work is then folded into your friendship and then what happens then when the work goes or you decide to stop doing the work how do you then maintain the friendship because it's been so intertwined with with the work side of things so it's it's really tricky like it'd be good to find a way of of actually just going back to a friend to a pure friendship whether before the Mm. work happened in, in the first place i think that's what would be the good thing to go back to, as opposed to finding m- w- more ways of monetizing your friendship.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's tough, right? It's. It, I mean, it's the, that's one of the interesting things to anyone who's not involved in this world. I think is is is. Don't think the grass is always greener. The the the, the bits that come out of people being in these worlds. Often a more complicated and painful than, than living a life where it's just a mate. We would all, down to all the, love to, to be the Michael
2: pub. Jackson. I would all love to be Beyonce, but you never know. You could be Brian Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. Brian Harvey was ahead of his time. Brian Harvey was talented, but maybe if there were three people behind him saying that Brian, we probably should have said that about MDMA at this particular point in for the.
0: <laughs> it
2: could have been very different. Yeah. Someone's been like, ah, Brian, don't say that, mate. He's he's drunk. Ignore him. And so sometimes, you know, and also it's lonely at the top. So if you're gonna go solo, remember it's not with that support system there as well. So if you're going mm. to cross the bridges, then it's best not to try and burn them in your uh, wake, I suppose.
0: Yeah, well said, well said. It's been a lovely episode, Dane, isn't it? We've had some we've had clothing hypothetical scenarios, life gambles. And, and, and the politics and relationships of comedy sketch groups, that's a good trio of questions,
2: right? That's right. The, the main themes of this show have been, and I'm saying it in this way because Ed looks like the coolest Sesame Street presenter I've ever seen. <laughs> 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 so, cool, cool. Uh, so today's themes have been friendship, fallacies, <laughs> and individual pursuits of fame. Yeah. With the number uh, 16. Actually, yeah. t- The number today is seven. The reason why is because at time of recording, Howard, this is the seventh year anniversary of our Facebook friendship. Oh, wow.
3: Oh, congrats, guys.
2: Thank you. Yeah.
0: yeah. I I haven't been on Facebook today. I wouldn't know. So I'll have to have a look at that. That's exciting.
2: So, you know, um, it's been good times and I'm glad that Ed Ed is here to share it with us. Um, Yeah. um, With that being said, Ed, thank you for sharing this time with Howard and I. Um, For our fans who want to see you solo, independent of me and Howard, where can they find
3: you? Oh, if they want to see me solo, um, not many places. Uh, although, um, <laughs> yeah, I do I do have uh, a special on Amazon Prime called Blood Sugar, which I'm very proud of. You can go and watch that if you're an Amazon Prime customer. Uh, I do a podcast called Off Menu, which is a food-based podcast uh, with James Acaster. That's wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, I do a podcast of a radio show with Matthew Crosby, a Radio X show. Uh, that's live on Sunday mornings at 8am on Radio X uh, or there's a podcast of it wherever you get your podcasts from Uh, I do a podcast for the Taskmaster TV series uh, Mm. where we break down everything that happened on that week's show so that's coming to an end for series 10 now uh, but we might be doing more of those so keep an eye out for that Uh, I also did a podcast about heavy metal for Spotify which is more of a documentary series uh, called Lifers uh, so you can go and get that as well um that's, oh, that sounds cool that's enough for now i think
0: yeah that's that, that's a lot of good content from comedian slash influencer slash youtuber <laughs> slash podcast ed campbell
3: Podcaster, i think is now my main job title
2: uh, sounds it's quite nice so good i mean i like i like that because every day and again you'll be out having a regular podcast party and of the some words, Ed, and you'll be like, let's go back to that 20 minutes set did back in 2013. Everyone be like, that was good, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Natural of mine, they'll be like, there was a time in the old world where ancient griots would recant, and if, uh, <laughs> people would laugh along, do you remember that job, Ed? You'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about, my other <laughs> <laughs> podcast in Hungary. Mate. <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen Dane's Have you seen Dane's seen <laughs> <laughs> Dane growing. Oh, yeah, Dane going uh, on there typical <laughs> uh,
0: it would be lovely to get a picture of us one day just in our spider-man outfit dungarees and briefs just just you know hanging out a great yeah be a great album cover be yeah be a great album cover um, but um, who knows when that will happen given the pandemic oh well sad end sorry everyone it's not normally we'll just, oh, we'll just do Howard, what we normally kill do kill the
3: mood Howard
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, shit. Mate, tell you what Ed Jeez. I don't know mate get-, <laughs> get itchy feet do you know what I mean
0: <laughs> <laughs> call up Kay Kurd. <laughs> yeah <Here> we
3: <laughs> <To> go solo
2: <laughs> <Yes>.
0: <laughs> Ed thanks for coming and
3: ending our podcast <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me
2: work, anyway, Ed thank you so much for coming along
3: oh cheers guys that was really fun
0: You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him on Twitter at DaneBaptweets or Instagram at DaneSnapTiste. Our guest was Ed Gamble. You can follow Ed on Twitter and Instagram at EdGambleComedy. The show was produced by me, Howard Cohen. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Howard Cohen. The show is mixed and mastered by Audio Culture. You can follow Audio Culture on Instagram at WeAreAudioCulture. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at podcast. Thanks to Polly, Gelly and the ACAST team for all their support. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything.